Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center. I'm Pastor Ruth Gartner. We are here on tonight with our Gospel Bible chat room. And we are going to be continuing our Bible study on the book of 1 Corinthians. Tonight, we're going to cover chapters 8 as well as chapter 9. So we're going to get started right now. And we're going to have Elder Joy open us up in prayer. And we're going to go right into the lesson. Elder. Thank you, Lord. We want to say thank you, O God, for allowing us to come together once again for your word. Father, I pray that you would. Touch every one of us on tonight, Father. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Father. Get our hearts and our minds open and ready to receive from you on tonight, Father. I pray that you would bless the teacher on tonight. I pray that you would strengthen her from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. Father, I pray for those who are listening now. I pray for those who are uh, listening to the playback. I pray, oh God, a special blessing for them for joining us on tonight. And we just want to say thank you for allowing us to, to come together once again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Uh, we love you. We give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we are in 1 Corinthians. And just to give a little recap, we noticed that in this particular book, you know, it's it's written to this, the uh, church at Corinth. And there was a lot of different um, issues, I would say, a lot of different uh, debates that were going on within the um, within the church. And so, I'm sorry, I just want to see why I don't have an introduction on this one. Sorry, hold on one second. So it was a lot of different debates and, and concerns about certain things in the church. Um, we know that the first beginning of the book talks about, um, being equal, not esteeming one higher than the other, um, you know, having favoritism over this preacher, over that preacher. He talked about that and talked about how we are all on the same team. Pretty much we're all preaching the gospel. We're all preaching about the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that it shouldn't be any type of division of that, um, type within the body of Christ and that, you know, we're all together, we're all, you know, preaching the same thing. So it shouldn't matter who it is coming from. The fact of the matter is that it is being presented. And that's one thing that uh, he was talking about in the beginning. And then he goes into sexual immorality, where he talks about how um, certain things were uh, being done and being spoken of in the, uh, in the church, like certain things were going on that wasn't being addressed and that, you know, he talked about that because we have to realize the background of the city that it, it had a lot of that uh, paganistic uh, sexual immorality going on. So it, that was addressed. And so now we're coming up to the section where now he's talking about food and um, how certain foods are okay because, you know, some of the uh Jews that are coming into the faith and they're dealing, you know, you're mixing in with the Gentiles of certain things that uh, Jews didn't do that the paganistic people did and like, you know, sacrificing to idols. And then, you know, there was a concern about whether or not the food was legit to eat. So we're going to go into that now. So um, we're going to pick up at, we're going to pick up at, um, First Corinthians, and we're going to go to chapter eight. 
And we're going to listen to that. And then we're going to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, okay. Now about food. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry. <laughs> he just jumped right in there. Okay. But <laughs> we're going to go 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And then we're going to flow right into uh, chapter 9. And it's kind of good because both chapters are talking about pretty much the same thing. And you'll see what I'm saying. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however. The exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Okay, so let's start right there. So right there, it talks about eating food, uh, sacrifice to idols. And we talked about this briefly in Romans. And it was pretty much the same thing where he's talking about the weak, the weak saint is not as much as them being weak. They're strong in the faith. It's just that there are still some issues or some concerns that they haven't been freed from or delivered from. And, and then at the same time, there may be some things that God actually does not want them to partake of. So um, basically what Paul is saying again is that if you okay with eating, you know, pork and you're, you know, you're going to be in contact with someone that's of a Jewish background and they don't eat pork and they haven't gotten that freedom from eating pork. Don't eat it because you don't want to cause that one to stumble or, or put a stumbling block or cause that one to, to fall short because now they're feeling convicted or they have, they're feeling some kind of way with you because of the fact that you're eating something that they have not yet gotten over pretty much. So now they have uh, something with you which is not the right way to be. Um, they find you find they find themselves in a place of being self-righteous and judgmental over what you're doing or something that we don't do, but you're doing it. And you're doing it because you you don't have no conviction. You're good with it, but they're not. So now it comes in play where they now fall into sin because of something that you're doing. But actually, you're not doing anything. You're free, but they are weak. They haven't gotten to that point where, you know, it's it's okay. And they may never. So that's why Paul says, so to avoid all of that, to avoid all having all these issues with your brothers and sisters, if you know that this is something that's, you know, they, they struggle with or they haven't come to a place of maturity or deliverance from, then don't, just don't do it. I mean, you know, harm is it you know um we should always put the other one first remember how it was in, in in romans it was stated that you know we should always have our brother and sister in mind 
our brother and sister in Christ in mind. We should esteem them higher than ourselves. So we should be the one that, you know, to try to kind of damp it down or take a back seat on it, even though you're fine. You know, when outside their presence, you, you'll have opportunity to have, a, you know, some bacon and some sausage, you know, just not do it in front of them. That's okay. You know, you don't want to have them have that struggle or have that, that funny conviction there because of something that you're doing. And, and then now they're going to kind of have a different outlook or look at you kind of strange, or it's going to cause some conflict and, you know, some little friction there. You don't want that. We want peace. We want harmony. We want to get along with one another. We know that everybody's not at the same level. Some people are, are, are further along in their walk than others. And there's babes, there's seasons, you know, so we all have to learn how to work together and, 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 and not kind of, I don't want to say cater, and I definitely don't want to say compromise, but um, how's the word I can say? Uh, adapt or adjust our, our walk around some people. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Another analogy I was thinking about, this also came to me, um, just like this long analogy, I thought about like, say for instance, you're somewhere and you know that people know who you are and you go to a restaurant or something and the only spot that's open is a, a the bar seat. So you sit at the bar seat and then you order like a virgin pina colada or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. There's no sin in doing that. But, you know, if somebody, a saint who knows you, sees you sitting at a bar with a cocktail, you know, it's going it's going to cause them to be like, well, hold up. If they sitting at the bar drinking cocktails, then maybe I can do the same. And and it kind of goes back because I know, and um, uh, I think it's in Thessalonians. I'm reading the Bible in chronological order and, I, and Thessalonians came before Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And Paul says in that letter, abstain from the very appearance of evil. And I'm like, okay, that goes back to what he's saying there and what he said in Romans as well. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's not a sin that you're doing that. It's just, you know, you don't want to cause your brother or your sister in Christ to stumble because they don't know that you're drinking a virgin pina colada at the bar. They don't know that that was the only seat available. So you kind of want to watch that, you know, you know, watch your, your, your surroundings and your areas. Not because, you know, it's, it's a pride thing. Like, you know, I don't want them to see me doing this. It's, it's not that. It's warning in like progress. Said, protect, protect your protect brother. Your brother protect your brother and your sister in Christ and, um, you know, protect yourself, you know? So yeah, that's that. I just wanted to share that analogy that came to me as well when I was reading this. That's all. Okay. That's good. You were going to read something? Muted. Muted. What? I'm sorry. What was that? What's Oh no! You know, I was trying to figure out if I was muted or not, but I guess I wasn't. So I know you were. But hey, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> it's okay. You 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 not you not a mute now. You want me to mute you? No, no you, I, I figured. You mute, it. Yeah, you mute yourself because if you have something you want to say, please feel free to unmute and ask. If you have questions, if you want to comment, this this is the gospel chat room. Everybody has an opportunity to share or ask questions. That's what I like about our Bible study. Okay? Okay. All right. Yes, man. All right, Pastor John, you going to say something? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Shutting the very, I was getting ready to say that too, Elder, about shutting the very prayers of evil. Like, you know, I say all the time, people watch you. People watch you. You can't be Going off, like, okay, like a good example. Um, um, we, we all know about this, that gentleman who was on the Kojic, who said he was delivered. He was delivered. He was delivered from women. I'm sorry, that's my job phone. Um, you talking about Andrew Caldwell? Yeah. Yeah. The mockery. Yeah. The one that's my, I like women's, women's, you know. Okay. So they had, somebody had posted him on um wait a minute just let me just do this one thing tomorrow go to bed 
<laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, um, somebody had recorded him in a restaurant. Like he was going off, I think it was a Starbucks, where he was like going off on the barista, the, the lady, and he was cussing and threatening to beat her up and everything. But yet, you know, this person's supposed to be, you know, saved, delivered, and all these things. But I mean, he was like really, really going in on this lady. And I say that to say, you know, you don't know who's watching, and you know, and 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 in today's society, people are quick to put their phone out and start zooming social media. And so you gotta be careful and make sure that you walk circumspectly and discreetly amongst the people, you know, and I pray that prayer all the time. God help us to work, walk circumspectly and discreetly. And, you know, circumspectly is when you walk in such a way that you won't cause anyone to, um, to be offended. Okay. And discreetly is when you walk in such a way that, um, you don't bring shame or am I saying it backwards? backwards circumspectly means you walk in such a way that you don't bring shame to the gospel discreetly is where you walk in such a way that you do not offend anyone that's around you and there's two types of discreet the word definition discreet and the one i'm talking about i think is d-i-s-c-r-e-e-t not d-i-s-c-r-e-t-e -E. there's two different um words discreet discreetly and i looked it up you guys could look it up you can write it down. You want to write it down, go back and look at it. And they'll tell you the difference between the two. So we are to walk circumspectly and discreetly amongst the people. So we have to be careful. There is a walk. There is a lifestyle that we have to portray, that we have to live. And it's a way of holiness. So that was a very good example of, you know, sitting at the bar. Because sometimes that does happen. It does happen. And then they say, oh, there's only a seat available at the bar. No, I'll wait. As hungry as I am, no, I'll wait because you, I don't want nobody walking in here and say, ooh, Pastor Ruth sitting at the bar, you know, drinking and carrying on. Because I would have said I'll wait. But that's how we have to be careful. We don't want to. We know who we are. We're comfortable in who we are. But there are some people, some saints who are, quote, unquote, weak, not in the sense of not having a strong faith, but in the sense of maturity, they're not having gotten to a level of maturity to understand. And then when they see something like that, like you said, well, Pastor Ruth doing it, Pastor John doing it. I saw Elder, Elder Joy was doing it. So I could do it, but you can't. Because what your interpretation is totally different from what actually it really is. Very good. Anyone has any questions about that? About certain foods. So if you want to go ahead and have some pork chops, <laughs> I'm gonna have my pork chops. See, John don't eat pork and he's not offended by it. He just no. don't eat it. So when I even stopped eating pork, it wasn't a religious reason. It's just I made a choice. Right. So I actually stopped eating pork before I started going to church. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, that's true. So He's okay with me having pork chops and ham and bacon ever so often. I know health-wise it's not good for me, so I don't eat it all the time. But once in a while, I want some bacon. Once in a while, you know, I want, you know, some ribs. And, you know, and 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 I, I eat it from time to time. But it doesn't offend him. Now, let's say if I had a friend who was of the Jewish faith and, you know, or even a Muslim faith, you know, that's on them, you know. But if they don't eat it, I'm not trying to offend them. I'm not trying to offend their beliefs. I'm not trying to offend them. So I will refrain from eating it. There, there'll be another time, you know, I can have it. I don't have to have it right then and there. There's always times where I'll be able to. So, and that's what, and that's what he's saying in a nutshell. Just be mindful of the other person. If they don't watch scary movies, guess what? Don't make them sit there and watch scary movies because that's something you do. You're fine with it. But, you know, they may, they may have, um, uh, visitations and fights and spirits fighting, battling with them. <laughs> you okay, but they ain't. So don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of keep the other person, I'm just being funny about that, but just keep the other person in mind when it comes down to certain things and practices. But he was definitely in this particular situation talking about food. 
Okay, so now we're going to move on to chapter 9, okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to play it. You can uh, get your Bibles out and follow along with us. Um, I am playing the NIV version for those of you who are curious of which version I got playing. So, and we're going to go ahead. Oh, come on. Oh, no, 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 no. There we go. All right. First Corinthians chapter nine. Chapter nine. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff talking about here. So the first thing he talks about in the opening of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is he goes, am I not an apostle and I'm not free? Um, 
So what's why why what was the problem here? <laughs> That's pretty much what he's saying. Um so what was going on was like he felt that he was not being respected as the apostle. You know, a lot of people come through Corinth and a lot of pre preachers and people coming through preaching the gospel. And he was feeling some kind of way to the point where he felt that other people were being esteemed highly more than he should be. Because he said, like he says, the apostleship, for you are the seal, the certificate, the living evidence of my apostleship in the Lord, confirming and authentic, authentic, authenticating it. He, Corinth was a church that he started. Mm -hmm. So we know that apostles plant starts churches back in the back in biblical times so he was saying like you know you guys aren't even giving me the props of respect that i deserve i started this church not cephas or anyone else that's come through here and spoke a word or ministered to you guys i'm the one but yet it seems to me that you guys will um you know take care of then more do you take care of me? She goes, and he goes, have we not the right to our food and drink at the expense of the church? Like, basically, like, don't you think you guys should be giving me something? Um, You know, you guys don't even give me anything as, as the leader, because in, in biblical laws, the church is supposed to take care of the priest, mm -hmm. the Levites, right? They're supposed to be paid through the church. Um, and this is what he's talking about here. They're not giving him anything. And he's like, I'm not asking you this. I'm, I'm not telling you this because I expect you to do it. I'm telling you this because you're not doing it. And this is something that you should do. Shouldn't have to ask you. This is something that you should do according to Jewish laws. That's why he also says, um, you know, like when somebody plants a vineyard, you don't think he don't eat any of the fruit. And if, if you, if you have a, a cattle and flock, you don't think they, they drink the milk. You know, it was like, okay, so I'm sowing these spiritual seeds into you. I'm sowing and I'm, and I'm blessing you and I'm doing all these things. You don't think I should be, um, uh, rep, rep, uh, I don't want to say paid or, um, you don't think I should reap some of the benefits of it through monetary, through, you know, material things. And this is what he was saying on, um, here, here it goes. Where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. It is verse number 11. If we have sown the seed of spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap from your material benefits? Okay, so that's where, you know, offering. Okay, we're sowing spiritual seeds in you. You don't want to give us an offering. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, put a, put a, put a seed on it. <laughs> That'll preach. Put a seed on that word. You know, I'm gonna put a seed on that. You know, and that's what I'm saying. So he's asking this question because in verse number nine says, for in the law of Moses, it is written, you shall not muzzle an ox when it's treading out the corn. Is it only for oxen that God cares? No, it was an analogy. He was saying that if, if the oxen is out there plowing the field, and some of the grain falls to the ground. Don't muzzle his mouth and prevent him from eating it. Let him eat it. Let him have some. He's working. He's pulling up plow. And if some of the grain falls to the ground, allow the, allow the ox to eat it. Don't muzzle his mouth and prevent him from partaking in what he's doing. He's not reaping any of the benefits of what he's doing. There should be some reaping of benefits. You know, that's the principle of sowing and reaping. If I'm sowing you these spiritual seeds, how come I can't reap? from your material blessings. You know, say something? You know, you could kind of actually see what was actually happening here. Cause you know, remember when you went, uh, when we go back into the history of Corinth and what was going on in Corinth, even before Christianity came there, they had their wise men and their, their people that were very good at speaking and stuff like that would just like teach Oracles. in the, of the street and stuff like that. Oracles. Yeah. Oracles. Yeah. So yeah, I forgot the name of the people, uh -huh. but so these people were very eloquent in speech. They, they really knew how to move a crowd. 
and it's a lot like that in churches now. I mean, you got your preachers and stuff like that, that that are that that know what to say and know how to stir up a crowd and know how to do this, but they're not actually the people actually building anything. They're just basically tickling people's ears, and people fall into it. So the same thing appears to have been happening here, where you had all these other teachers and things like that that may have been tickling people's ears to the, and and getting the people to start giving unto them, but they were neglecting Paul. Mm -hmm. who actually laid the foundation right. and who actually gave them substance, not just something to tickle the ear. You know what? I'm going to have to piggyback off of you and say I think that is correct because Paul does say that he doesn't come with enticing words and fancy mm -hmm. speech. He mm -hmm. comes with power. He doesn't have all of that. He comes with demonstration and then he shows the power of God. He doesn't teach. He he said it, you know, he says it. I think it's in, in this chapter. He says that I don't have enticing words. I don't have things that'll get you hyped pretty much. I'm mm -hmm. coming. I'm giving you the gospel. And then I'm going to give you the demonstration of the gospel that I'm teaching you. Yeah. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And I think the people were hyped up on, like you were saying, Pastor John, on the charisma. And, and you know, they were, they, they were oracles. They had these, they, 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 the way with words where it was just so like, I don't know, enticing. And so Paul's like, I, I don't do all of that. I don't got all of that for you. All I got is the gospel. This is how I am. This is how I'm delivering it. And that's it. <laughs> flat-footed. <laughs> flat-footed. Unadulterated. Just flat-footed. I'm giving it to you. This is how it should be. Blah, 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 bam, bam, boom. You can be great at speech and not have the spirit of God with you. Be hollow. No substance whatsoever. No power whatsoever. Mm -mm. But you can stir a crowd because you can stir the flesh. Right. And that's where, it, and that's what was happening. And so they were paying more homage and more respect to those oracles that were coming through saying, you know, talking loud and saying nothing. Yep. But when it came to him preaching the word, it's like, y'all, y'all, I mean, y'all dissing me. I'm the one that's, that's established you guys. I'm the one that, you know, really pouring out the truth and really giving y'all spiritual food here. And so, yeah, very good. Very, very good. So that's one of the things that he was talking about, you know, um, if others, verse number 12, now, now I got amplified, you know, I got NIV amplified message. You know, I like to read. <laughs> You know, different versions. This is the Amplified. I'm, 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 I'm going back and, and reading to you guys. So Amplified, verse number 12 says, if others share in this nightful, rightful claim upon you, do not we have a still better and greater claim? However, we have never exercised this right, but we endure everything rather than put a hindrance in the way of the spread of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, we still have a better. We we of all people should receive the benefit, the benefit that that they're that they're reaping. But we're not saying anything because we don't want that to cause you to be like hindered. We don't want this to hinder you from receiving what we have. Because if we start saying, you know, we should get, you know, we should be paid or we should be given an offering, then you're gonna think, oh, they just want money. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't want you to have that. I don't want y'all. I don't want to give you all that impression. But I'm just saying, you know, you know, everybody else is taking away. He even talked about how people is taking wives and, and have families and, and took breaks. But y'all don't expect us to do that. Y'all expect us to keep working and working and working and working and working yeah. like an ox. But the Bible says, doesn't the law say that, you know, don't muzzle not the ox when he's treading out the corn? You know, is he really talking about oxes here? No. So he's like, you know. It's like the Energizer Bunny. We're not the Energizer Bunny, Rabbit. So, um, now verse number 13 says, do, do you not know that those men who are employed in the service of the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who tend to the altar share in the altar and the offerings brought in? On the same principle, the Lord directed that those who publish the good news, the gospel should live, get their maintenance by the gospel. 
So he's saying, you know, back in the day, if you if you if you mind the things of the temple, you got paid through the things that came into the temple. Um, the high priests and the Levites got paid through the offerings that was brought in and the food from the from the um from the sacrifice, the food. Because remember where um there was uh was it the two sons that was kind of taking the best choice of the sacrifice? Mm -hmm. I think it was Eli's sons, wasn't it? Eli's sons. When it came to uh people were bringing their sacrifices to the to the you temple. Know, you know I'm bad with names. I know the story, but I do yeah, not. Yeah, I think it was Eli's son. I think it was Eli's sons. And yeah. yeah so but that, they were supposed to do that, but they were but see the good part is supposed is for the Lord. But whatever's left over mm -hmm. out the fish hook, out the, the you 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 pull out the fish hook. You took you took the fish hook like a hook, and you pulled you went in the pot and you pulled up whatever that was yours. But they were going in there trying to take all the good stuff. They was trying to do, like take the choice uh, meat instead of taking whatever came up on a hook. They were digging down in there taking all the good stuff. And and God did something with them, you know. He, he they got punished for doing that. But I'm saying that to say is that that's how they ate. That was their food. So He's saying to them in the law, that's how it's supposed to be done. So you know, this is something that you guys should do. But once again, I'm not trying to tell you this so that y'all would do it because I don't want y'all to think that I'm asking for money. And then now we have this situation where. You don't want us to come because you think we're going to be asking for money and we don't want to do, we don't want that. We rather just tell you the good news because our reward and, is in heaven. And not to mention that if he was to come at them like that, and even if they started to give, they could have gave grudgingly, which would mess up their blessing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, um, so that's where he goes um, down to say, I'm trying to see, but I have not made use of any of these privileges, nor am I writing this to suggest that any such provisions be made for me now. For it would be better for me to die than to anyone make void and deprive me of my ground for glorifying in this matter. For I merely preach the gospel that gives me no reason to boast, for I feel compelled of necessity to do it. What was me if I do not preach the glad tidings, the gospel. So he's he's compelled to do this. So he's not looking for anything. You don't even get I'm good. I'm good. You don't have to give me anything. I'm just trying to point something out to you. But I'm good because I would I would rather die than to have any of these things stop me from preaching the gospel to you, from stopping me from getting, helping you get free. That the, Any of these things that will stop me from helping you get your deliverance and get your freedom in God. I would rather die than have any of these things stop me from doing what I'm doing right now. So you don't have to give me anything because I get enjoyment and satisfaction and blessings knowing that I am making a difference in your life. That's what Paul is saying. Ah, God, for I do this work of my own free will, then I have my pay, my reward. But if it is not my own will, but is done reluctantly and under compulsion, I am still entrusted with a sacred trusteeship and commission. So if I do it free will, I, I, I got my reward. My reward is the fact that you are getting your deliverance. But if I do it under compulsion, I'm still entrusted with a sacred trusteeship and commission. What then is the actual reward that I get? Just this, that in my preaching the good news, I may offer it absolutely free of no expense to anybody, not taking advantage of my rights and privileges as a preacher of the gospel. I'm not selling the good news. I'm not a hireling. I'm not pimping y'all out i'm not pimping y'all to give me some money and i give you a word send me some money cash at me and i'll prophesy i ain't doing none of that <laughs> that's it that's it i'm not doing none of that I, that's my reward because i don't want y'all to think that i'm one of these fly-by-night preachers 
or these fly by night prophets that want to send a cash app and then I'll give you a word or, 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 or bring an offering and I'll pray for you. No, just come. I'll pray for you regardless whether you have anything to give me or not. Keep your money because I know that God is my, he's my source and he's going to pay me. Mm-hmm. For although I'm free in every way from every anyone's control, I have made myself a bond servant to everyone so that I might gain the more for Christ. Okay, so now here's this other part that we want to shift to. He talks about to win others. To the Jews, I became a Jew that I might win Jews. To men under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those without outside law I became as one without that I am not without the law of God and lawless toward him that I am especially keeping within and committed to the law of Christ that I might win those who are without law to the weak wanting in discernment I became weak wanting in discernment that I might win the weak and over scrupulous I have in short become all things to all men that I might by all means at all costs and in any and every way save some by winning them to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, now this right here. A lot of people say I become all to win all. Okay. Now, what Paul is saying in this, in this passage. He's not saying I become all. Okay. Let me, let me, let me try to break this down so y'all get an understanding. Woo, Jesus. A lot of people use this scripture and say, I become all to win all. So that means they will try to look like the world, act like the world, be like the world in order to win some. That's their mindset. But in actuality, what Paul is saying is that he relates, he, he relates to the people within these different facets because he's well-rounded and he's well-learned in everything that through coming up and walking, Rayelle keeps popping. Tell Rayelle, is she going to pop in or pop out? I keep <laughs> She keeps getting in and popping in and popping out. So this thing about I become all to win all, it's like Paul is saying, I'm not taking down who I am. I'm not lowering my, my, my standards. I'm coming to you on the ground so I can I can empathize with what you're what you're doing because at one point I was in the law. At one point I was out of the law. At one point I was a Jew. So Paul's like, I become all to win all. Not that he's taking down who he is right now in Christ, but he's saying in terms of relationship, I can empathize, I can relate to you. See, we make the mistake by saying I become all to win all that we take down our, our, our holiness or we take we, we 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 lower our standards in our walk so that we can try to win the, the crackhead or win or win win the homeless or win win the alcoholic, win the prostitute. No, he's not saying I'm becoming a prostitute to win the prostitute. He's not saying I'm becoming a crackhead to become a, to win a crackhead. He's saying that I, I empathize. I understand. So I, I empathize with what you are dealing with in order that I can win you. Does that make sense? More I'm, sense than you ever know. More I'm sense not, than you ever know. I'm not trying to be the world, to win the world. Because then I'm, I'm laying down my standards. Where is the standard of holiness? If I'm going to be walking around with my high parts hanging out and all my boobs hanging out to try to win? No, no, that's not what this, that's not what this scripture is saying. But, but, but what has happened in the church realm is that people took that and literally became all to win all. And what happened when they became all, they got stuck over there and they never found their way back to holiness. So now you have you a don't grow weed to win souls. I'm sorry, I tried to get that off my chest. Yes, we do you not don't grow, grow weed, weed at your church to win souls. Nor do we walk around and hand out cigarettes. Oh my god. That don't stir up joyous righteous indignation. <laughs> but I'm so frustrated. I'm just frustrated with the people. I'm like, Lord, help me. But that's what it's saying. And so 
that and that's where 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 the mistake is made you know and then you wind up compromising because now here comes the spirit of compromise because you become all to win all so that means you're compromising your standards you're compromising your holiness you're compromising your walk with god in order to win them no that's not what he's saying i empathize with you i understand because i've been there that's the witness so when i go talk to someone who's been who's out there on crack I don't go back out there and start saying, let me get into that. I don't go back out there and say that. I tell them, I said, I've been there. I know the struggle. I know what it's like. But God is a deliverer. So I can relate to him. I can, I can, I can really talk to somebody and tell them, I know how you feel. I can relate my experience, the struggle, the money. Spending money, running around all day, staying up two and three days at a time, running around, chasing a, chasing a cloud. So that I can let them know, I know what it's like, but I know there's a God that can save you and he's delivered me. I know he'll do the same for you. That's how you become all to win all. You empathize with the fact of where they are. You don't go down there, but you let them know you've been there and you bring them up. That makes sense. Anybody got any questions? I'm getting a little excited there because that right there, that that bothers me too, uh, Elder Joy. Oh. <laughs> that you know, and that's how it's that's how it's misinterpreted. It's misinterpreted. That is not. That's not it. That and along with you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with people who were hungry for more, not people who were willing to just, you know, live a lifestyle however they want it. When Jesus hung out with sinners, it was always somebody who was looking for something more, something right. like the woman with the at the um at the well. well you yep. know, she was looking for something more. I give you I I can tell you about, you know, there's a um I can give you water, you'll never thirst again. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was always something more. It wasn't just people who were just sinning and sinning and had no respect for God hated God, blasphemy God. These were people, yeah, they were sinners, but they were hungry for more. Right. And that's the difference. He will highlight people in your spirit that are actually hungry for God that you can effectively witness to and draw them to Christ. So it's not like, you know, he was just chilling, hanging out with the sinners and kicking it and smoking weed and, and drinking and carrying on. No, no. he was teaching and, and witnessing and showing them and telling them that there's a better way. Right. I got something better. And it's the same thing with Paul. Paul's basically doing the same thing Jesus did. He's just more relatable. Like, you know, I've yeah. been through that. I I I was a murderer. So right. I can I can relate to that spirit of murder. I, you know, I did all of these things. So I can relate to you. That, right. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, whenever I'm, whenever I'm, Jesus came in contact with a sinner, there was a plan. There was right. a plan. Right. It wasn't just something to just to kick, you know, to, to pass the time away. He's he purposely he told his disciples, "I must needs to go through Samaria." Yes, he had a plan. He already was expected. Already, he was already predestined in the plan in the work of God that he was going to meet the Samaritan woman. It was a plan. It wasn't like I'm just going to go there and 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 talk to this this woman who's who's a harlot. No, this, right. woman was, this woman was hungry. And see, that's the thing. When God hears the prayers of the sinner, when you when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you seriously want to get out of the situation that you're in, God will send someone to cross your path. Mm. Mm. It's planned. Mm. I'm about to go up in the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> the Samaritan woman wanted to get out of what she was in. God had a plan. I wanted to get out of smoking crack. God had a plan. I was tired, y'all. I didn't want to stay in that life. So I knew it was wrong. And God had a plan. Oh, Shabbat Yes, he had a plan. So whenever he comes in contact, yes, he sat in the house of the tax collector. He went there. He did this. He did that. Yes, he did. But he had a plan. It was always a motive. There was a motive behind his actions. 
it was deliverance. It wasn't just, just to do something, just to do it. And Paul was just, like you said, Paul was the same way. That's why he's saying, I don't take down my standards. I don't take down who I am. But I can relate to where you are. And I can take you somewhere if you just stick with me. I can point you to the right direction. I can point you to the Savior. And that's how we should be. That's why we go through for others. They say that we go through for others. I go through, you go through situations, personal situations for others because somebody's going to cross your path and you're going to be able to empathize with them. Empathy means that you understand, you feel what they feel. Not sympathize and feel sorry, but empathize means that you feel what they feel. You've been there. You can empathize with them. You can relate and connect with them because you've been there and you had the same situation. You went through that. That's empathy. That's sympathy. It's two different words. Okay, so I don't want to stay in that too long. So let's wrap this up. So, um, whoo, God, I feel you, Jesus. So he, okay, where am I? Where am I, Lord? God, I'm just all, just all messed up in my bed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so I do this to say good. Okay, do you not know that in a race all runners compete? Verse number twenty-four. Let me wrap it up. Um, do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race, that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately. And restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it ha, to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. So just like an athlete, they, they, they train themselves. They, they, they get their rest. They eat. They restrict themselves from eating certain foods. They prepare their bodies. They take care of their bodies, especially when it comes time for a race, when they get ready to compete. They are in top shape. And they do all that to get a, 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 a some grass around their neck that's going to wither. Because, you know, back then they had like leaves, like wreaths. That was their reward. So think about where they are um, in, in the context, in the, in the, in the time of, this, of, the, of the Bible. You know, biblical times, their their reward was a wreath. It was like just a bunch of leaves twined wine in a circle, like a Christmas wreath, almost like that's what they get wrapped around their neck, and they do all of that, train vigorously, restrict their day, but on a strict diet, they they work out, they 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 exercise, they they you know get their rest, they they do all these things to win a wreath around their neck. But he says. We do the same thing. We restrict ourselves. We, we, we take care of our, our temples. We, we refrain from doing certain things. We conduct ourselves according to the word of God so that we can receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. So our prize is greater than what an athlete does here on earth because our wreath or our crown we don't even get a wreath. We get a crown, y'all, and it doesn't wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But I, but but like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit not to stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Oh my God, Jesus, that I may not, that I myself may be a castaway. That's what King James says. But this version says that I should become unfit, not to stand, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Ooh, how many people you can think of that's going to be rejected as a counterfeit? Because they don't discipline their bodies. They don't discipline their spiritual walk. They don't discipline their flesh. They don't crucify it. So you be rejected as a counterfeit. You're not real. You're not real. You're fake. 
You're not a real coach. You're a coach. <laughs> Woo, this is good. I'm feeling this. Anybody got any questions? Anybody want to chime in and say something? Anybody got any questions? Anybody want to say something? Anybody got a comment? Somebody say something because I'm, I'm, I'm about done. I'm done. Woo, this is good. So we have to conduct ourselves in such a way. What does Romans 12, 1 and, two, 12 and 1 and, and verse 2 says? I beseech you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, come by on, the mercies come on. of God, come that on. you present your bodies a living sacrifice, come holy, on. acceptable unto God, and be not conformed which, to this world, which is your service, which is your reasonable service. Yes. This you can do. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And be not conformed to this world, uh -huh. but be transformed by Transform. the renewing of your mind. <laughs> That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, perfect. Good, acceptable, perfect. So by transforming your minds, you are proving the good, acceptable, and perfect, matured, because perfect means matured, will of God. Paul presented his body as a living sacrifice. That's his reasonable service. And his mind is transformed. He's not conforming to this world. He has transformed his mind. He is he's transformed by the renewing of his mind. His mind has been renewed. So now he's proving what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That's why he says, I, 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 I buffet my body, handle it roughly, Discipline it by hardships and subdue it for the fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. It's a daily thing. You don't just do it in it and voila. It's a walk. The just shall live by faith. It is a walk. It is a journey with God. It is a process. Holiness don't happen and overnight. Holiness don't come and then that's it. No, holiness is something that you do day by day. You die daily. You die daily to the things, the emotions, the things of this world is a daily walk. Will you have moments where you may stumble? Yes. Will you have setbacks? Sometimes you will, but the most important thing is, is that you get back up and get back on that horse. You get back up and get back on that wheel. You get back up and get back and get your feet planted and start that journey. Continue the walk. Continue the journey. God knows because he sees the most. You cannot pull a wool over God's eyes. You can fool man, but you cannot fool God. And if you are serious about your walk with the Lord, and yes, you have your moments of weaknesses and you have times when you, you have a setback, it's going to come because we're human. Because in this flesh dwell of no good things. So we will have those times. We will have those struggles. But if God sees it in your heart that you really, truly desire to live for God and do this right, do this by the book, by the good book, he will send the comforter the Holy Spirit that would help you walk this walk and talk this talk and be about, and you won't be counted as a counterfeit. Paul wasn't perfect. David wasn't perfect. Moses wasn't perfect. Only Jesus Christ himself was the perfect man. Everybody in this Bible that we read of and that we, we learn lessons and stories about were not perfect, but they trust God. David was a murderer. He killed Bathsheba's husband. Jacob was a, was a trickster. He, he, he connived Esau out of his birthright. Moses had an anger problem. He, he struck a rock when God told him to speak to him. Rahab was a harlot. I mean, you come on all the way down. Samson was a womanizer. Solomon was a, was 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 a gigolo. He had a thousand wives and concubines. Come on now, that nobody was perfect, but because of their 
heart towards God, God got them through their tests. God brought them through their journeys. And there was a change. Look at Mary, Mary Magdalene. Look what happened with her when she came in contact with the Lord. These things, God can change your situations. He wants your heart. If you have a heart towards God, there is no good thing he will hold for them that love him. Nothing he will hold from you. You love him and you trust and truly believe that he is the son of God. If you believe it, the sky's the limit. You just got to have the faith to believe that you're worthy. Because sometimes we feel that we're not worthy of God's love. But God proved that you're worthy back on Calvary. And we coming up now to, 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 to Resurrection Sunday and what it's all about. He proved that back on Calvary that you're worthy. You got to believe that you are. The Bible says we would have none would perish, but that all will come to the knowledge of God, that all will come to Christ, that none will perish. He doesn't want anybody to lose out and miss out on this opportunity to live eternal with him. But you got to believe. Trust and believe. Trust and obey. That's what he said. Trust and obey. Amen. Anyone else have anything else? I'm done. Because this don't stir me up. This was good. This was a good lesson. Um, I pray that everybody uh, got something out of this. And no one has a comment. Nobody wants to say nothing. Everybody just quiet. Nobody. I'm going to call on someone. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> anybody? Did it help anybody? Was anybody blessed? Did anybody get the understanding? Do, do, do we understand what, what's going on here? Do you understand what Paul was saying in these two chapters? Do we need to recap? All right, I'll recap. Ch chapter eight talks about food being offered to idols that, you know what? It's okay to eat foods that are considered by some laws unclean. But he also was talking about foods that are being sacrificed to idols because the pagan people were taking their food and sacrificing it to their idols and then eating it. And Paul was like, it doesn't matter because it's not, it's not about the food that you eat, it's what's in your heart. So if you want to eat your foods, fine, but just don't sacrifice them to your idols because now that's where you're going in error if you're sacrificing to those old pagan idols that we should not do. And then he talks about in chapter nine about just giving respect as being the true apostle and that, you know, some of the things that, that should be done under, under Jewish laws and under the, the biblical laws about taking care of the priests and stuff like that. He was pointing that out, that that is something that we should do, that the church should be doing, taking care of the leader, taking care of the, the, the shepherd of the house. But he was saying, I'm not doing that to say that y'all should do this, but it's okay because I know that my reward is coming from God. But if we were to get technical, yeah, y'all should be doing this for me. And then he compared himself, his walk, with God as, 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 as one of an athlete receiving a prize. That's why he said, I'm not worried about you giving me any money. You don't have to give me money. As long as I know that I'm helping you, as long as I know that you are, you are, are living a life, that your life is changing and that you are understanding God and you're getting a closer relationship with God. You don't have to pay me anything. That's my reward because my prize is up in heaven. I'm going to receive a crown that does not wither. So you don't have to give me nothing. As long as I know that you are getting delivered, as long as I know that you're getting healed and set free, I'm fine because my reward is in heaven and God takes care of me. And that's pretty much what Paul is saying. So, and that's how we should be. Even the things that we do, even with our witness. Even if, you know, we go out and, and say, per se, you go out to minister and you go out and share the good news. Yeah, if you want to bless me, yeah, I'll take an offering. But you know what? That's not my main goal. My main goal is to make sure that you understand what I'm saying and that you understand that God loves you and that you understand that salvation is free. 
you ain't got to pay for it. And that's the end. And I'm serious this time I'm done. <laughs> so, um, so Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Father, for this time of as we come together to just understand and learn more of you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that this word fell falls upon good good soil, that it doesn't fall to deaf ears, that this that this word and this lesson will take root within their spirits, Father, that it would help them, that it would encourage them, that it would bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your living word. We thank you, Lord God, for the scriptures. Oh God, we thank you for how you are bringing to light different things and, and, and explaining things and unraveling mysteries before our very eyes. And God, we thank you. We honor you on tonight. God, we love you. We give you all glory. We give you all honor and we give you all the praise. And it is in your son, Jesus name. We pray Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.